here at Patrick Cage, George BR, Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Life 365, iHeartRadio. You already know what it is. Weighted blanket, rap shit. Come He's on here, now. the star. What's going on, man? Welcome it's to the show. How's, how's your afternoon? How's everything going? It's been great. You know, it's Wednesday. Uh, Wednesdays are big because Thursday night's midnight. That's when all the, uh, the new rap shit episodes come out. So, you know, I'm just getting ready for the for episode five tomorrow. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. And you should be because I heard the song. It's a hit. People all in the comments were saying like, yo, this is crazy. The production's crazy. The vocals. And you have the music background. So was this kind of something that you thought of? Because I know I read the description already that you started out as a joke and then it started to, yo, this is a great song. So yeah. is this something during the whole strike that was going on that you said, OK, I want to go back into my music bag and see what I got here? Essentially, man. I mean, I've I've made music. Uh, I've made R&B music for the last like four years, pretty much. And yeah, with this strike, I just felt like I was really put in a place where the industry was kind of telling me I wasn't allowed to create. But as an an artist, innately, I'm gonna make something. So I was just like, you know what, I can't go to set, but I got this mic right here. I got beats online. I was like, let's figure something out. And so yeah, every day, pretty much during this strike, I was just waking up, sitting here and just recording different songs, just making music. How far are you planning to take this? Because now you, you've seen the feedback that you got. You're seeing that it's going to be in conjunction with the show. And it, it's it's crazy. It's going crazy yeah. for you. So how far are we going to take this? Is it to the point now you're going to want to get a label deal as an artist? I mean, I don't know about a label deal. I love I love being an independent artist. And I mean, like I feel like the music industry is really just changing where labels aren't necessary or they're not necessarily necessary. But yeah, I mean, like as long as as long as people find my music and the fans of it connect with it and they rocking with it, then that's really all I want to do. But I mean, I go all the way with it, man. I, I have more music, you know, in the vault. I definitely want to release a project soon. Um, just really figuring out timing uh, and making sure like, you know, everybody wants to hear the music. Everybody's got to be drawn to it when I drop it. So yeah, all in this time. All, all in its time. And what's this project going to be based about? Is it going to be an extension of basically weighted blanket? Um, it's going to include weighted blanket and, and really it's just, uh, I think with making R&B music, a lot of my subject matter is, is, uh, my interactions and my dealings with women. And so this is going to be voice notes, uh, is the name of the EP that I want to drop and just kind of, uh, touching on the experiences with women that I've had over the last four years, really. Um, and yeah, just sharing that experience. I'm, I'm not really big on posting on Instagram and like, I don't let people in. A lot of people tell me. So I'm using music as a way to kind of showcase who I am and and what I'm about and, and kind of what's going on in my life. It, it seems as though it's a, it's a diary, but there's something that I did learn about you. You kind of want to play a love interest and an emotional character. That's like one of your main things that you, you want to do down the road. So you feel as though this is your character right here in a way? Um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, lately... And for the last few years, I played villains and they're a lot of fun. I mean, I love I love playing the villain like on rap shit. I'm definitely the villain. And and I mean, people get, hate Gat, but I I like Gat because I understand Gat. But yeah, no, nah, he's crazy. He's actually a terrible person. Um, but yeah, I think I think playing love interest and being romantic is kind of something that's more natural for me. It's kind of. I mean, I am a hopeless romantic. It's it's annoying to say sometimes, but yeah, I, I I love love. I love romance. I love like big extravagant displays of love, and so yeah, I think uh, music allows me to get that out now. But that's definitely a dream I want to do within within acting, just because I feel like I don't know. I love watching people fall in love, and so to be able to portray that and give that to other people, 
Yeah, I think yeah. it's a beautiful. I think it may be tough in this day and age because we see what's going on with the social media game, the, the oh. whole dating and the relationship. It's completely changed. It's not the nineties anymore. It's not. And I'm really like, so man, you really speaking exactly how I feel. Cause it's yeah. not. And it sucks. Cause I'm on that wave of like, it's so hard to find anything truly substantial in this day and age because of the oversaturation of social media. If people feeling like they got options, if this isn't working, I'm hopping out and going to the next so there is that that challenge with it. But yeah, I that's kind of like why with the music, I want to bring back that that 90s, early 2000s singing in the rain for your woman kind of love, like beg for your shit. My lady. Like if that's how you feel, get it off. Voice to men, end of the road yeah, and all that. Yeah. To men, jagged edge, men condition, new edition, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. We need it. it. There's not enough of it out here, but there's a space for it now. Brent really uh, just tonally really opened that that up and and showed people that we were missing that 90s, 2000 sound. And so I really just want to like kind of expand on that. Yeah. Get back to like the Nelly dilemma. Yeah, yeah. That. I feel like just back then people were more at least if they weren't as self-aware, they were just more honest about how they were feeling. I feel like now people keep it in so much and just don't share. I feel like they have to put on this bravado. I'm like, take the mask down, man. Just put your heart on your sleeve. Tell people how you feel. If you mm. like that woman, tell her, tell her you like her. It's not, exactly. you're not a simp. It's, it's, you're not a simp. <laughs> all day. Like, that's, that's love, bro. It's okay. You got that right. How, is the, how are things picking back up now? Because we're coming off the strike, finally reaching a deal here. So how are things picking back up for you now? It's definitely been coming, man. I mean, uh, it, was, it was a slow start. I mean, just the strike in itself was hard. But I think once uh, once that vote went through, people were able to promote projects. I know the writers' rooms kind of had started back up once they got their deal, and it feels like whatever writers' rooms have progressed to the point where they're ready to go into production, we, whether it's December or top of the year, they're casting. And so auditions have been rolling back in. Um, it feels good, man. I made a post the other day saying I finally feel like myself again and a new person because I came out of this strike and it was like cool. I'm able to audition again. I'm able to act. I'm able to talk about the projects that I have coming out. But then now I have this whole new different professional career as an artist, as a music artist that I get to push into and, and kind of go down that lane. So it's really beautiful, man. Just kind of feeling like I'm getting back to myself and becoming someone else at the same time. Yeah, I could tell. And you, you speak about when we look at your acting teacher, because this was someone like it's Aaron, right? He's, he's your acting right. teacher, you, that your acting coach. You said that he's one of the best in the game for sure. No doubt about it. He gave you this toolbox that you use to this day. What do you feel is, though, a tool that you haven't taken out of that box yet that you want to use going forward now that you've had your time to reflect during the strike? Ooh, I mean... A tool that I haven't used, I don't know. I think I think definitely depending on the character, I've tried to to use everything he's taught me. I still use like the the beginning student binder that he gave us when you first joined up. I still have that. Depending on the character, I will bust that out and go through the original <laughs> checklist and and do it like I just started class two weeks ago. But um, I think something I want to definitely increase on is my imagination. A lot of my a lot of my work is substitution based, where I I try to really just relate whatever situation the character has been through if I have not been through it directly to something close enough just so I can match those feelings and emotions to bring some authenticity to it mm -hmm. but uh some situations I mean like I want to play superheroes man and it's like I ain't never been Batman so I'm gonna have to imagine those circumstances <laughs> and it's like that's something I really just want to build on um but yeah 
and, and the dedication that you serve to your roles too, because I heard about it when getting the part of the Jamaican murderer, when you just let your hair go crazy, you, you had to look the part. I, and I really, I love, I love to do that just because it's like, I don't know, a lot of people, a lot of actors, I feel like care and it makes sense, but they care a lot about how they look. And we're, we're in a visual industry, so I understand that. But there's a point where you have to not care about that and truly do what serves the character and what serves the story. And to me, I feel like Charlize Theron showed us this with Monster. It, the uglier you could be sometimes, the better and the more connected people will feel. It's such a more a visceral performance when you can see this person that we usually see is so put together and beautiful has stripped everything away just to bear the ugliness in that side of how that human can act. And so, yeah, man, I'm all about staying committed. I mean, even forget I was a little method. I mean, I wasn't going around clubs spraying women with bottles of champagne or nothing, but like, yeah, definitely within the energy, I was definitely outside more. I was putting myself into the lifestyle of a music artist. And I mean, I probably that energy led into me creating music over the summer because we ended in April. And then that was kind of like right when I started uh, making music. Yeah. And you found a whole new lane for yourself. And it, I could see big things coming with that. Uh, big collaborations. Say if someone were to call you up for weighted blanket, who do you manifest that person to be? Because I know you're spiritual. The 1111, you got that tatted yeah. on you. Got it, got it tatted. Yeah. So um, who are you manifesting to get on that remix? I mean, shoot, a, a Brent Fiaz collab will always be fire. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of Brent. Uh, I would really love a woman on Weighted Blanket. Maybe SZA. Coco Jones, SZA. Oh, my God. SZA? Oh! Nah, SZA on that track would actually be fire. See, now, my sister knows SZA, too. Don't you give me ideas. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm going to have to do that. SZA would be a great, a great feature. I think her tone, plus, I mean, I hope she agrees with the message. I just... I really wanted to make a, an appreciation song for thick women, man. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you did. Yeah, if I could have SZA on there, that'd be great. Georgia Smith, mm. Georgia Smith. Oh, Georgia Smith, Tams, SZA. That was my top three, Your right top there. Three. See, and it's gonna happen. Yeah, manifestation, man. Yeah, as I think, yeah. as long as you believe it, anything is possible in life. I like to tell myself, life is not whatever you make it; it's whatever you believe it is. Whatever you can convince yourself is the way life works. That's how it's going to work. If you tell yourself you could speak something and then you'll get it and you truly believe that with your heart, that's exactly what's going to happen. And you've done it all this way up into everything. I mean, how does your mom feel about now that she's seen the track? Because she was someone that told you iCarly wasn't big enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I when I went to homeschooling, she said I had a year to book something. I booked one line on iCarly and she's like, that's not what I meant. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, for sure. Um, I mean, my my mom now, she's she's incredibly proud. She sees all the work. She sees the dedication. And I mean, she's just seen the fruits of my labor at this point. I mean, right now I got I have two shows that are streaming on Max. And I think just that alone has shown her like I've I've pushed this dream pretty much as the captain since 15. So for the last 15 years, I've really taken control of what I want to happen in life. And I mean, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. There's definitely more to go. There's definitely a lot more growth. There's definitely more I want to accomplish. But I think she sees where we're at now. And it's like, all right, you you got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now. You, you spoke about imagination before and something that I did learn about you and studying everything you've done this far. You talked about 2K expanding your range and imagination on the stage there, too. Yeah, 2K was definitely a, a major help to 
to my process, to my life, to acting. Shout out to Chris Papiernik, the director, man. He uh he just gave us a, a a stage where we really could imagine. And for people that don't know, when you're shooting 2K, you're in these super tight mocap suits with all these dots on you in pretty much a giant warehouse with a bunch of cameras tracking your movements. And there's no walls, there's no doors, there's no actual physical sets. Maybe we'll have like some wooden chairs and a table just so we know where things are. But everything else has to be imagined. Circumstances like they just tell you, all right, you're in the tunnel of the arena. All right, now you're in the locker room. And so it's like you don't have any real basis to go off of of what it looks like. So you really have to just play and allow yourself to imagine all the circumstances. And yeah, 2K was a great learning experience. And I'm grateful that I got to do that back to back, uh, two years back to back, just because I felt like it was it was like a summer acting boot camp the first time. And then the second time was like, what did you learn? And let's apply it. And yeah, yeah it was a, it was a, an amazing, grateful gift that I got in my life for that. Madden. And then you want to do Call of Duty eventually, I heard. That's that's my trifecta. I started yeah. off with Madden. I got two, two 2K games. If I can get in Call of Duty and get my face scanned and then I can go home and play as myself online on Warzone, I'm done. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's the video game trifecta for me. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely the goal. I mean, if, if there's anybody over at Call of Duty, you know, just call me up, Patrick Cage. I'm, I'm available for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're not afraid to keep yourself in the box. But when me going back and just learning about your early stories, was it true that you kind of didn't want to get into like that Disney frame yeah. to get pigeon, the kind of pigeonholed there? Because the Lion King was an audition I heard that you your mom took you to. You heard it on the radio in Chicago. Yeah, well, no, nah, I was I was in LA, but it was for the Chicago production. It was for the Chicago one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my intro into acting. But I don't know. I guess when I when I started to kind of analyze the industry and what I had seen and like the trajectory of careers, at 15, I had kind of noticed people that went to Disney, they were stars right now, but I didn't see much longevity later in life. And I knew that this wasn't something I just wanted to do like while I was a kid. I was like, I want to do this uh, for the foreseeable future. And so I was like, I don't want to do Disney and kind of get stuck in that little hole. I've, I, When I went in an audition for my agent, I literally did the monologue from V for Vendetta. And she was like, that was great, but you got to come up with something kid appropriate because you're 15, but you're not going to play V for Vendetta right now. But I think she knew my mindset was I, I was already further than where I was at that time. The things that I wanted to do weren't where I was at age-wise yet. So... I think she just held on to me and allowed me to kind of grow into who I was going to be. And like I said, man, I'm just grateful because now I feel like I'm finally getting all those opportunities. I feel like at 15, I was trying to do the things I wanted to do at 30. And now at 30, I'm like, okay, I can, I can go forward and actually attack all of this from a realistic standpoint. Yeah. Something I found interesting too, you'll write to producers. I know some of these producers, they'll they'll play the game because they'll be like, oh yeah, that's how I envision the character as well. But then you won't end up getting the part. But who's a producer that you were able to form a bond with behind one of these shows that you've been on or just one that you think you're going to work with down the line here in which you both see the vision for a character? Um, Definitely Christian Papiernik. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Christian Papiernik, Christian Nolan Jones, my bad. Okay. My bad. We did a we did my first uh, short film where I cried, Brown with Blue, and I don't know the way that we see characters, his style as a director, my style as an artist, as an actor. I feel like we just mesh really well. Um, Issa Rae, I love everything she's done. I've wanted to work with her since I saw season one of of Insecure. 
I have auditioned countless times for every season of Insecure. And so to be on on Rap Shit now and be playing Gat and just when we talk on set, I think we're very aligned on what she sees for Gat and how I uh, interpret Gat. And so I think that's something I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. I'm definitely excited for the rest of the season um, for you guys all to see where Gat goes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of people. What's uh who else? Oh, I'm blanking on her name right now. That's terrible. It's a woman I worked with on uh, CSI Hawaii. She ended up casting me again on the rookie Lisa, Lisa Demond. There we go. Okay. Yeah, she was be uh ended up being one of the producing partners or producing directors on uh Power last season, Power Book Four Force with my friend Chris Lofton. And so uh yeah, I definitely I definitely want to work with her again. I mean, I I'm super grateful that I've been through this industry and actually formed connections with people that you enjoy working with it's it's a it's a very collaborative process being an actor being on set and so to be able to find people that you not only enjoy the type of work you do but enjoy working with them all a blessing man mm-hmm. do you feel as though that a lot of connection because because i'm more in the, the music side of things i deal with a lot of artists and stuff and i feel as though a lot of relationships are, are face value do you feel as though it's deeper that in that when in the movie tv industry um case by case basis case by yeah, case uh, yeah, I think I think some relationships are still very Hollywood, very surface. Um, and there's just certain people that you your souls genuinely connect on a deeper level. You guys become friends outside of this. I mean, I've, I've definitely made genuine friends within this industry. I've worked with people and stayed connected after years and been like, oh, wow, I, that's right. We met on set. I completely forgot because we have a whole friendship now outside of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think I've always said your vibe attracts your tribe. And so when you meet certain people and they're on the same energy frequency as you, you guys are always going to going to link up. Yeah, it, it, it definitely. It, you got to be on the same wavelength and have this, the same ideas and, you know, form a bond that's going to last for a long time. And exactly. That's and the key. I, like, that's, the, that's the thing is I hope to have that in music because like I look at like Drake and Future, for instance, they clearly make a lot of music together they work together they work well together they have a friendship outside of the music i would love to have more things like that now that i'm venturing into this music space just because i I think it's a great feeling when you can have friends that you're not only inspired by fans of but then you guys can work together and make more great art uh that that's a dream come true for real like i would love to make songs with more of my friends i would love to make movies with more of my friends i think like if i can continue to do that throughout my career I have a very happy, blessed career, man. You mentioned something right there that I do want to get into here. Is this something that you're prepping for to make your own films here that you just kind of hinted at? Yeah, a hundred. I mean, yeah, I I want to lean into directing as as I progress throughout my career. Um, It's just always something that's interested me. I, I, I mean, I love storytelling. I love making movies. I love movies. And so I don't want to have my creative process or my ability to, to create something be limited just by how I look. So it's like, if I can be a part of the process by commanding the set, putting all the pieces together, seeing the vision from script to screen, then yeah, I mean, I, I would love it. And I think I, I have a lot of uh, creative ideas on how I want to direct certain things. So that's something I'm moving into. And I mean, I've got, I got some ideas working up. Man, we, we, we working on some things. Working. Okay, yeah. what would the Patrick Cage directorial debut for a heist movie look like? I know you're a big heist guy. Ooh, a heist movie. We're doing we're doing downtown LA. Mm. For sure. Downtown LA, three different buildings, three banks. You know, actually, I gotta I gotta talk about this later, bro. Somebody gonna <laughs> take 
I don't this is the this is about to be an outline. But yeah, we do three banks for sure. Do we do the City National, the Wells Fargo, and I think there's a B of A building somewhere around here. Me, Sam Jackson, Chris Meyer, Chris Lofton, Mm. my boy Ken Matangulu, fire, fire actor. And then I'd say, who else? We get Zendaya up in there. Yeah, she's she's actually like the the techie the techie person that helps us break into the into all the vaults and shit. Yeah, let's see what else we got. I'm I'm thinking now you really got me think about this. And then maybe like Zoe Zaldana as the cop that's looking for us. Her partner's Timothy Chalamet. Don't get me started for this, man. I'm sorry. I got <laughs> cast right here. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, heist movies is definitely something I would love to direct. I have a idea for a, a huge, massive, epic on the seas. That's all I can say right now. And um, and you know, like I said, romance films, man. I just, I think, I think I really want to showcase my idea of of love or a love story. I mean, because like some of the things I've written, they end kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> I have happy endings, yeah. Um, and not like higher learning or or how about like poetic justice, like with yeah. Tupac and Janet? Definitely on that line. I mean, yeah. like I just I I don't know. I like to make people feel. So if I can take you on a roller coaster of feeling like some highs and then some lows, I will, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of messed up. I want to do that. I want I want you to cry. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like to elicit emotions out of people, man. Whether it's comedy, joy, fear, it's suspense sadness like i just i love the process of being able to watch something and t- to connect to it so deeply that you're actually emotionally moved by it like that's that's everything to me man yeah, yeah. and that same goes like either watching it or listening to it i mean there's there's definitely a song a ballad that i wrote that i'm gonna release later that i hope people um i mean not that i hope people cry to it but i hope that y'all hear it and just connect to it and understand like at least my emotions in that place and in that time and if you've had a similar experience, I hope you can just, you know, relate, vibe out, get a good cry out. Crying is healing. I think it's something we all got to do. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Especially when you don't get roles because you, you have a great approach to it that there's always another job. Always. You always, you got to have that mindset because you could get attached to the, you get upset about the roles that you really want. And this Mm -hmm. is what's going to bring me to the next question is what, what do you do? Like when you're on a cold streak, when you're not getting auditions, like how you were, when you're kind of going on that cold streak, what do you kind of do in the meantime? Do you just keep pulling? Do you have to like go find work on the side? What what is it that you have to do? Um, just go crazy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I just, uh, I keep pushing, go, go harder in the gym. I'll start making music. Just like, if I feel like I'm not being fed or fulfilled creatively, I will find other avenues because I don't know. There's, there's no, there's no real reason to get sad anymore. Like I said, or like you said, I do really believe that there's always another job. So it's like, whatever's meant for me, will find me. Um, but yeah, during those slow times, I've, I mean, I've been grateful and fortunate enough to not have to deal with those for a couple of years. So, I mean, the slowest I'll get is like maybe a month where there's no audition and I start to freak out like what's going on. It's, it's been a while, but um, yeah, I think it's really just focusing on the fact that like a slow month, a slow three months, a slow six months is fine. If this is a lifelong journey, it's like these things, the amount of time is inconsequential because 
I'm going to continue. It's not going to be something that makes me stop. So it's just uh, having a support group of my friends and staying focused on the the end goal. Mm. I think that really is what just kind of keeps me in that space to keep going. And you, it's brought you this far. I mean, just learning about your humble beginnings and, you know, cause you're from your LA, you know, that, that's, that's you right there at Crenshaw. I was hearing all about the story and you wanted acting so bad. You were cleaning up the alley. I heard yeah. about it but behind, you know, Aaron's alley there to pay for your acting classes. And then you eventually got into that advanced class and he said, you're ready to audition. And it just went from there. Would you kind of give, say if there's an actor out, you know, who, whoever, uh, Wisconsin, we could put them anywhere. Would you recommend, you know, if you want it so bad, stop wasting your time and energy. You got to have, you, you got to have money to get to the place, but are you big on, if you really want your dream, go with the shirt on your back to that place. Go to, if you want to go to LA, just go to the shirt on your back with the shirt on your back, stop wasting time and go and follow your dream. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a, a riskier play, but my whole life has been, I'll figure it out. Mm figure it out. I want this. I'm going to go here. It's like, I have enough money to do the first three months of Aaron Spies' class. What about after that? I don't know. I'll figure it out. And that's really what it was. Like I went, I I had a lot of emotional breakthroughs. I went to uh, Nafisa's housewarming. Aaron Spies showed up. He was like, Hey, it's good to see you again. How you been? I was like, I'm good. He was like, what are you up to? I was like, just chilling. Really? He was like, you have time. I said, I got tons of time. I got no money. And he was like, well, come by the studio. We'll figure out what we can talk about. And he was like, yeah, I will let you clean the alleyway Tuesdays and Thursdays and you can come to class Monday through Friday for free. And I was like, cool. And he let me do that for two years, man. Wow. And and yeah, I really I really did just it was on me, though. Every Tuesday and Thursday, two o'clock, I'm back there in that alleyway, cleaning it up, not asking for what do I have to do. You know what you got to do. Grab a trash bag, all the trash. And I mean, like it was it was not pretty, bro. There was actual human shit back there. I would have to human I did hear about that. You could curse. Yeah, yeah I heard about it. Yeah. And so it's like you, you are, I'm picking up used condoms. It's just like, what it's like I say, how bad do you want it? What is worth it to you? Like, what are you willing to do? And Dave Chappelle said this, set your price. If if there's a point that you, you're like, this is too far. This is too much. I won't cross this point for my dream, no matter what set that. But if scooping up human shit falls under that line, pick it up. Let's go. Because my thing is, like, you never know what avenue you're going to receive help. You never know what avenue you're going to receive your blessing. So stay open to the things that energetically feel right. My dad used to always say something. (laughs) He would say, be as crazy as you want to in life until you don't feel safe anymore. And once you don't feel safe, stop. And so that's kind of like how I live my life is just take risks. Go for that. Ask for that job. A closed mouth don't get fed. It's like, what's the worst that happens? They say no. What's worth the very worst thing that happens is like, oh my God, I hate you, kid. Why would you even ask me that? And then they'll probably threaten you. That's like the absolute worst that could happen. And they, the threat is probably empty. They're not going to remember you. You're at dinner asking for a job. No one cares. Yeah. So it's like, my thing is just like, go for it. Nobody's going to hand you shit in life. So you just got to go for what you want. Life's too short. No, you're right. You, you got to go for it. There's no tomorrow. It's not a guarantee. Not guaranteed. I wanted to bring up what you do for the homeless because you give back. I read about it in the bio, just everything that you do. What prompts you to be so giving and want to give back? Um, Growing up in LA, I mean, you just, you see a lot of, a lot of homelessness. And I mean, like I live downtown now, it's gotten even worse. Like it's something that's, it's in my face every day. And so there's this place called hashtag lunch bags. They meet up uh, on either the end of the last Saturday or Sunday of every month. 
and we meet up, we make sandwiches, draw artwork on the on the uh, lunch bags, and then we drive downtown to Skid Row and give out you know lunch for the day. And it's it's not a permanent fix, but you know it's it's something to help just to show people that they're not forgotten about because a lot of people do just walk right by homeless people as if they don't see them, um, as if they don't exist. And so, yeah, I don't know. Just seeing it my entire life, it's like you're still a person, man. I mean, whether whether you've given up or whether other people have given up on you, I just want to show like you still deserve to have a fulfilling life. It's true. Yeah. Everyone yeah. deserves that. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we're here. Yeah. Well, we we <laughs> beat the odds as it is. I mean, we're here and we're still alive. So yeah, live this shit to the fullest. Westworld, welcome to Chippendales. Now you got rap shit. We can go all the NCIS, CSI, everything you've been yeah. in, man. What role changed your life as far as when we talked about the craft of an actor opening you up, you know, really just showing who you truly are? What what role changed your life as an actor from the craft standpoint? Um, I say there were like three, really. Um, like I said, Brown with Blue was the first time I had ever cried on screen. So that was just something that kind of opened me up and showed me a new sense of vulnerability around strangers, around people and in that form, like in that setting, because that's a different level of of ignoring a camera. <laughs> and I mean, Westworld kind of prepped me for that. Just I was working with so many great, so many people that I had watched growing up. And I was just constantly asking questions on that set. I knew that I was I was the young kid that really essentially knew nothing. And so I was asking just everybody, like, how do you do this? How did you get here? What's kind of your process for this? Um, James Marsden gave a lot of great advice. Jeffrey Wright, Evan Rachel Wood um, had one night where I worked with Tandy and she gave great advice as well. So I think that definitely um, just gave me new new tools to add to the kit that I've used going forward at different times. And definitely 2K23. Like I said, I was like, I was like an acting intensive and I know it's a video game, but it's like just the way we were shooting, we were doing 40 to 50 pages a day and i mean about that yeah usually when you're on set we're doing three to five a day like on a tv show so it's like just that kind of just shows you this the magnitude of work how we're flying through scenes and there's you really don't have i won't won't say like room to mess up because there is no real mess up the way that christian liked to shoot that it was very free flowing. And so we were allowed to add it. We were allowed to play. And as long as the scene flowed, the timing was right. And you got the the information across, he was with it. And so that was where I really learned how to move more on instincts and instincts feel more natural for someone like me because it's just more human. So as long as I know what I'm talking about and I can blend it with just the reaction of like natural human instincts, I feel like that's the best combination for me as an artist. Mm. Yeah, but those three projects for sure definitely elevated me. There you have it, man. And then we got 2024 on the horizon here. We got one month left of the year starting tomorrow, December 1st. Yeah. What what do you foresee here for 2024? You got the music now. You already know you're solidified there. You got a talent at that. And it's been way before when we look back at the Hamilton days, all the instruments you've learned how to play. So now... Information, bro. (laughs) Um, yeah, now 2024, I mean, I definitely want to drop more music. I, I'm very excited about the music just cause I don't know. It's something that, like I, like you said, the people from high school were really the only people to know that I even did music. So now to kind of show people this side of me, I'm very excited for everybody to just hear it. And then going forward, I mean, obviously more TV shows, uh, 
I mean, waiting on that that season three renewal for rap shit and uh, seeing what happens there. And then more movies, more shows, staying on the grind, man. I mean, like this is, like I said, I want to do this for the foreseeable future. I'm going to do this for the foreseeable future. So there's no stopping this. It's just now with the music, I have something to give y'all in between in between TV shows and projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I love. I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm really excited about this EP. I don't have an, an official release date. We're still tightening up a couple things. But once I do, I mean, I'm going to do a heavy push on that just because, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a very vulnerable thing. It is kind of like me showing the world my heart. It's, it's, it's my first time opening up publicly. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I need to get a little bit because I know what you're all about as far as R&B goes. Who, who's in your top five for hip hop artists? I, oh. I, I want to know. Um, Drake. Okay. Yeah, just because it's Drake. Uh, Drake Yachty has recently creeped up on my list. Um, huge fan, actually. Let's see, man. I do listen to a lot of R and B because I'm just thinking through now. Yeah. Like, you know, mostly R and B artists. Um, can we count Burner Boy? I know he's really like more Afro beats, but yeah, we could count him. We could okay. count him. Yeah, because he does the collabs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like Drake has really dominated everything lately. I do, and I do like some NBA Young Boy. I ain't gonna lie. Okay. I ain't gonna lie. There's there's a couple NBA Young Boy songs. I I be in the gym and they they get it cracking. And uh, let me see. Shoot, let me I'm about to check my phone. Who I got my most recently listened? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's mostly been Drake, Scary Hours three lately. Oh, John Wick. That song's crazy. John Wick, Evil Ways. Yeah, J Cole. Uh, yeah, man. I've I've been I've definitely been on that for a, a cool red button. Song. Red button. Red button. That one goes crazy. Um, I'm gonna actually give a little shout out to uh uh what's my guy? Murph Dilly. He's got this song that I've been playing on repeat like nonstop lately. So yeah, definitely definitely him. And where's he from? Uh Chicago. He's from Chicago. Okay. G Herbo Kanye's world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely vibing with that right now. But um, yeah, those would be my those would be my top five, and then I gotta say, Chameleon on rap shit, yeah, uh, has her new song SUV that's out. That's my dog, and I I truly love her music. Fire, yeah, hundred percent. What's your top Drake album? You're a big Drake fan. What's your What's your favorite Drake album? E. It's a toss up between Nothing Was the Same and If You're Reading This Is Too Late. Mm. Yeah, Take Care is definitely up there. I'm gonna give it to nothing was the same. Then if you're reading it, it's too late. Cause Husk and Leather. Husk and Leather, the opening of that. Yeah. See, that's the thing is legend is a great opening to yeah. if you're reading this, yeah. I mean, like, if I die, I'm a legend, baby. That I remember when I when I heard that song, I was actually in acting class at Aaron Spicer's wow. when that surprise drop happened. And I got the notification on my phone, and I was like, the second we get a break, I'm outside and I'm blasting this shit. And I literally I listened to that first song and I don't know, it just set the tone for my whole year after that. The second I listened to it too. But Drake has a way of doing that. He'll drop an album and it'll literally be the soundtrack to my life at that time of whatever I'm going through. Mm. And, I mean, he did it again, again with uh for all the dogs. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> He's consistent, I will say. 
And just think, there's a parallel between you and Drake. You know, Drake Degrassi, you 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 have been in a bunch of TV Westworld and all this, and now you're going into the music, and Drake went into the music after Degrassi. So there's yeah. the parallel. Yeah, it's bad, interesting. Plus, Drake said he was taking a break, but then he dropped Scary Hours three. Yeah, so. yeah there's no breaks. <laughs> it's no breaks for him. But if he ever takes a break, I mean, I think that would be a great opening for a lot of a lot of young artists to kind of kind of change the scene. I feel like Drake has dominated for so long like he said 15 years of dominance but he has dominated for so long that he kind of has become the tastemaker of where music goes and as much as i love drake i would just kind of like to see where other artists want to take music just because drake has a full lock on the industry right now yeah yeah so i'm i'm excited i'm or i'm excited to see what uh what music comes up in these next two three years for sure so my patrick cage is next Hey man, you already know the resurgence of R&B is already happening. So Patrick yeah. <laughs> on the radio stations everywhere. Way to play it out now. Check out the music video too. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see that. I did. I checked it out. It was '90s yeah. style. I saw it in there. Yeah. I'm just. I'm trying to bring the essence back all through everything, through the visuals, through the sounds. So thank you, man. I appreciate that. It, it kind of reminded me of a Biggie Smalls's warning, but it was only the R&B version. Come on now, I, we were trying to go with that uh, that belly look, that belly the vibe. Belly look, the hype Williams. Yep, yep, you felt it. Yeah, so yeah. we're definitely trying to just like visually get people back into that kind of nostalgic feel. I like that. The legendary visuals, right? Nothing will ever beat that opening of the club scene in Belly. That's nothing. Yeah. nothing. It's, it's truly iconic. Yeah. yeah. Everybody going to remember that. Yeah, everyone knows. Quick sports take, man. It's a sports show. Rocking with the Lakers. I mean, I want to, man. It's just say. <laughs> I'm always rock with the Lakers. I'm from LA. That's my city. Yeah. I'm a Laker fan, but like, uh, God, and the Clippers is bad right now. This is both yeah. of them. <laughs> this is like, all right, man. I'm gonna just. I think this season, I'm gonna just shut up. I'm not gonna talk too much. I'm gonna just watch y'all play and, and you know enjoy it. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely if we you know if we start gearing up during the playoffs, I'll be loud again. I'll be talking that shit. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, right now my team is kind of ass, so. I'm just like whatever, yeah. And and the Rams haven't been like the greatest either. So. No, after that Super Bowl, it's like that was like it. It was, you know, I was talking big shit after that Super Bowl, bro. I, ain't gonna lie. I was going around. Everybody I was like, "But who the champs? We the champs. We got our team back, and now we back up. We winning, and we have not shown that team effort since that game." No, <laughs> it's bad, bro. I'm rooting for him though. I'm rooting for all of them. And I mean, Bron is Bron, so it's like, yeah, it's Bron. I just hope he stays in the league to be able to play with his sec- his other son, man. I think that would be really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Both sons, Bronny and uh and his younger one. Yeah, that's right. You saw that uh what was it, a, a Beats ad, an Apple ad? Yeah, I did come across that. Yep. His wife talking about uh you gotta stay in the league long enough to play with you. I was like, okay, talk your shit then, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, sports, sports are kind of making me sad right now, just as a as an LA fan. But there have been some really good games. There was a great game the other night, the Falcons. Yeah. That was a great game. Falcons, yeah, they pull off that big win. Yeah, that was nice. I, was, I can't even lie. That was a great game. Yeah. The, it could be worse. You could be a New York fan. I like the Jets. The Knicks, the Jets are terrible. The Knicks, the, the Knicks, Knicks aren't bad, though. They're bad, though. Yeah. Jalen Brunson. And so I'd be giving him shit for it. But, yeah, yeah. I think I think good. Yeah, Jalen Brunson's crazy. Randall's doing it. 
Randall's doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's he'll he'll have a great night like he did last night against the Hornets, and then he won't do anything for I'm a stretch. Yeah. I ain't even watched that game. Actually, I saw a piece of it. I was over at Chris Lofton's. I had an audition. And oh, he had okay. A, right before we started up, and I was like, oh shit, okay. It was like 111 to 104 last time I saw it, I think. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you, who ended up uh, winning it? Nick Nick's Nick's actually won, yeah. Really? Yeah. Pull that yeah, out. I'll take it. Down. Yeah. Yeah, good shit. Good shit. Pull that out. All right. I can't be too mad at it then. Yeah, no. But but go man, Lakers. I, say, I got a crazy love for New York, man. I mean, as an L.A. native, I know it's kind of crazy. We're supposed to have this rivalry. But if if I ever moved out of L.A., I'm moving to New York. Like, I love that city. The energy of it is unmatched. I got love for all my New York people. Um, the Bronx is a crazy place. Love y'all. It's all love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, I, when I be out there, I definitely be up in Brooklyn. But yeah, the the uh, the Knicks, the Nets, I might be able to hop on the bandwagon if I ever move out there. I mean, I see you got the Knicks hat on right now. Yeah, I'm always rocking with the Knicks. Yeah, oh, that's your team. Yeah, that's my team. All right, all right, all right. Well, good, good luck to y'all. You yeah. know, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for the season. I feel like it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. I'm hoping, man. Uh, hope for your Lakers and hope that the Knicks do well. Fingers Keep crossed. Fingers crossed, man. Patrick yeah, I, Cage, anything else you would love to let your fans know? Anything else that we didn't cover here today? Um, not really. Just, you know, check out that weighted blanket, run it up. Patrick Cage, weighted blanket on YouTube to see the video. Rap shit, Thursdays at midnight. Bookie, Thursdays at midnight, both on stream on Max. Um, the Max app, check it out. And yeah, stay tapped in with me. I mean, follow me on Instagram at Patrick Cage. I'm definitely going to be dropping more music soon for everybody. And uh, I'm excited for this journey. You already know, man. Big things on the horizon. You're always welcome on the show, man. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate everything that you're doing out here. And it's it's only up from here. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on today. Of course. Anytime. All right. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. I'm looking forward to the new episodes in music. Peace. Tap in, bro. Tap in. Of course. Peace out. Late.